Here. Sons of Kales. Here. Daughters too. The blood of battle washes clean. The warrior brave and true. We fight, we love, and then we kill. Our lives burn short and bright. Then we die with honor and join our fathers in the black fleet where we battle forever, battling on through the eternal fight. It's time for Klingon shenanigans. Hello, and welcome to the Rules of Acquisition, a podcast where we will be going through every single episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, the greatest show to do Klingons. Yep. It's the best Klingon show. Yeah. Uh, this is... It's one of them. Uh, my name is Wade Bowen, and with me, as always, is James Nolan. Hi, Wade. <laughs> Hi, James. And also, Hugh Crawford. Hello. Hello. Kapla. Kapla. Coleslaw. Coleslaw. Yes, and yep. Tonight we are talking about an episode called Soldiers of the Empire. Oh yes, this one is uh, episode 21 of season 5. It originally aired on April 28th, 1997. Here is IMDb description. Dax and Worf accompany Martok on his first command since being held by the Dominion. Uh, But the ship they are given hasn't seen victory in months and the crew is near mutinous. Directed by LeVar Burton. LeVar B. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I th- feel like we're out of the doldrums for the season now, oh, right? Oh, goodness. Yeah. <laughs> I was about to say, finally, I was like, okay, oh, man, finally I can. All right, so I'm going to jump ahead and jump the gun and say, you like this episode, right? Finally an episode. I was like, oh, I can watch this and not have to fight over what I thought was redeemable. Yeah, no, 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 no. This is, uh, this is 100%. Yeah, this one's <sighs> I'm gonna spoil the end of our of our episode and let you know this is gonna be pretty damn high on my rewatch. <laughs> right. Oh yeah, yeah. This yeah, is no, reach uh, as rewatchable as anything on Deep Space Nine. And if you're looking for a great Dax episode, I would say that this has got to be top I five. I totally Dax. agree. Yeah, she's top great. five Dax. She episode. made the episode. She was the straw that stirs the stir- the drink. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, how far we've come. Yeah. No. This this is some. This is this is good shit. This is great shit. Yes, um, and uh, I feel justified in it that uh, Iris Stephen Bear hates it. Really? What? What? Because fuck him, because he doesn't fuck. Like he's got like he's middling. He's middling instincts. He's a he's a. What is his what's what's his beef? Because I I don't how can you uh, his beef with this is that he I don't think he understood his own script. Uh, he didn't write it, but it was like, like Ronald D. Moore outshone him. He's got a chip on his shoulder, huh? Yeah, I think it was some that Ronald D. Moore outshowed him. Ron, uh, his big thing is that none of the crew looked foreboding. They looked whooped. And I was like, that's what the episode is about. Yeah, that's a plot, right? That they walk in and that, you know, when they walk into Quarks, they don't look tough. Oh, well, I I might give them that one, like, because all the... But, who, but, but they're, 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 not, they're, not but tough, they're not tough. That was the whole point, is that they're <laughs> no, like... But when they walk into that scene, everybody turns their head and says, oh my God, these guys are tough. Every character... Every main lead of DS9 sees these Klingons and says, oh, shit, these guys are going to be trouble because they look tough. Mm. And they, they got, like, cut-off arms, sleeves, and stuff. And, it's a, I mean, it's it's a, a minor It's a minor note. Like, if it didn't, it, it, it's yeah. It's very minor because they, cause they sound awesome. Because, that Kornon guy, 
I love his voice. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Ricky Worthy is the yeah. actor that plays. Yeah, no, he's he's good. He's also in a lot of Voyager. He plays like eight things on Voyager. Yeah, I'd bring him back too. Like, but. yeah, he's he's a good actor. Yeah, no, I know I don't understand it. I, I I think this is everything that I like in because I there is a there is a thing where I like these sort of shows that is set in like toxic masculine situations where machismo and things like that and like alpha levels come against each other and like rush up against like you know a self-worth and all of these kinds of things and i like that interplay between these sort of masculine ideals and that and i like it was so this is this is basically this is a precursor to the sopranos is that what you're saying (laughs) yes yes this klingon episode (laughs) well yeah it's just got the best things that i like about i mean there's a lot of I mean, there's too much, and I think that's what we're all trying to come to conclusions to in, in art and film right, uh, these days, is that there's too much about men and too much specifically about, you know, white, successful men. This is, I mean, this is about, you know, there's <laughs> people of color in this, too. Yeah. These are about brown, turtle-headed people. Yes, yes. But that there's a lot of these types of stories and a lot of the female types of stories about you know toxic you know are all kind of relegated to like things that people make fun of and that this is the high art like your godfather sopranos quentin tarantino movies they're all kind of about this these levels in this interplay and i do like it yeah (laughs) i i i I feel like yeah i like that stuff and if it's going to be about that you can actually talk about like the frailty and like how that's underneath that and this is a great way of doing that and and Hugh is right. Adding Dax to this mm-hmm. was like the the thing that elevated it. Yeah, like, it's the idea that a normal that a normal show wouldn't have that a, no, a normal Star Trek wouldn't have had that this had. Yeah, and how she sort of floats through it because she's not the woman. She's no. the she's the ground floor. Right. She's the she's also the one that understands the Klingon cult. Like this also refines the Klingon culture a little bit in the world building. Mm-hmm. Like there's the other female Klingon, but. But mainly what I'm getting at is like when they talk about there's a scene where everybody in Deep Space Nine is at Quarks and they're talking shit about Klingons like, oh, my God, it's chaos. Like anybody can just kill. You have to watch your back or they're going to kill you and move up the chain. Oh, that's a great scene. And Dax is like the thesis statement for the episode. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, (laughs) oh, it's not like that. And it's like it's almost a callback to refine like back on TNG when Riker was. Oh, yeah. You know, when he was an exchange student on a Klingon ship, they sold it as like, it's Mm -hmm. crazy. Just anybody can kill and move up the ranks. And she's like, well, it actually works because of because of their culture, it works almost. And they've got systems in place to where mm-hmm. it's not just chaos where everybody's killing each other, trying to move around. There's a system that makes it work. And she understands that. Yes. Yeah, it was a more nuanced look at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this opens up, though, with Martok in getting looked at by Bashir. He's all fucked mm-hmm. up. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, right. And he- Three inches from your brachial artery and... You'd be dead. Right. Back to horrible Bashir. I, like, I don't know. Like I, I disagree. I think Bashir's great fine in these. Uh, yeah, like naggy, naggy old. I, I, he, he, I think I disagree. I think he's good in these scenes. He's doing. First off, he's, he's like intense. he's like doing some sort of British Fred McMurray kind of like. <laughs> like, <laughs> like <laughs> oh, the blood in my carpet. <laughs> like, and I'm like, I don't know. Like, what? I, I don't know. I, okay. I'm going to stand up for Bashir. He's a whiny scold. He's a whiny scold through this whole episode. No, he's playing the tough way, how you should be if you've got tough. a... Tough. tough love. Yeah, the way he's he's acting, how a Klingon will respect him, being like, what the fuck are you doing in here, bleeding all over my floor? Like, if you were just like, mm, okay, like a Klingon 
like Martok would just be like, "What the f- you, you pansy?" But you know, he's playing the lines he's given. He's not. It's not an amazing character worker because he's just doing. Well, the best part about it is when Martok says that, like, my tolerance for you will only go so far, and you remember that they were in the shit together. You right. know. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yeah. That they have a bond. You must accept the fact that you have a disability and stop acting. Like- there are limits as to how far I will indulge you, Doctor. And that they have that sort of camaraderie of somebody, uh, you know, of two two guys who went through some. A horrifying event. Were you in the shit? Yeah, I was in the shit. And the horrifying event is still lingers with oh, Martok. Yeah. You know, he talks about how how it's and that the scene actually works for that reason because the it lets you know that uh, again this is the whole problem with Martok yeah. is that Martok was on the prison for two years, lost an eye, had an imposter, and then he gets to come and be on Deep Space Nine. And then they forget, like, we have three episodes where we don't, like, we forget about that. So mm-hmm. we have this nice little recap at the beginning. Right. Where it's like, hey, yeah, remember we, Martok? I, well, he's got some uh, lingering issues. We had a throwaway line about how he threw somebody over a balcony. And that's all we've really heard from him. Sure. Well, that and you, and then you have the whole, like, in the next scene where Worf goes over the whole thing with Cisco. And you're like, okay, why are you recapping this? And right. then you, oh, like, because it does play into the beats of how the right. show progresses. And yeah, and then there's like a it goes from the doctor's office to a quick scene with Worf and Nog trying to outfit the Defiant, and then Martok comes on. It's good that they're giving Nog a little bit of business. Yeah. Oh yeah, the the Nog stuff was fun. Yeah, and it's showing like he's like half their height. You know, yeah, and, yeah. And that's when you learn that Martok wasn't he wasn't in the hollow deck like he told Bashir with the safety protocols turned off. Yeah. He's trying to train with Worf, but these, Worf whooped his ass. Right. <laughs> these non Klingons won't understand why we need to draw blood when we train. Mm-hmm. And that's a key thing, is cause you carry it in your head that you know that Martok can't beat Worf oh, yeah. in combat. You know uh, that. Right, like, right, he, exactly. It's very important that he drew blood from him in the shoulder. Yeah, that you carry that yeah. bit. Mm-hmm. They book in the episode quite nicely mm-hmm. with that. Aaron Eisenberg was a, He's just like, Oh please, a, sir, can I leave? The, the onesie fit the onesie was uh was was generous too. Him. <laughs> oh, was that? <laughs> I didn't notice that, but good on you. It was well, was he like showing knuckle or something? Yeah, he was Don Draper in that scene. <laughs> okay, like, he might not have had the height, <laughs> but no. Um, I, I, I don't know why I noticed. Can, that. can I just slip by here, you yes. big, tall, intimidating Klingons? Yeah, that was a funny. I mean, I guess they were doing shtick or a little bit. Yeah, I'm kind of like they can kind of drop that shit now. They don't have to make me like the show. So, I mean, like <laughs> they won't, like, but they could. <laughs> hey, you won me over, show. I'm watching you. <laughs> like you don't have to do shtick. Like little, little bits of shtick. But now uh, all of that is is pretty great. Yeah, I guess there's a, there's some times when I was in that prison where I would weep like an old woman when I would think about not being on a bird of prey anymore. It will be a glorious adventure. And yeah, and he like it's a really great exploration of the yips. He has the yips. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That was uh I don't know, it's interesting it's such an interesting concept. Everything about oh, the yeah, show. Like, and it felt different. It yeah. feels when you're watching a good episode versus a shitty episode, like the episode just feels different from the first scene to whatever. You know, yeah, and I, I really like that about it. I feel like you can almost tell by the first scene whether right. it's not oppressive. Yeah, like you're not feeling like you're being 
like a part of he's being tested or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, well, oh, they're having to do a lot of shtick. It's the first episode in a while not to start with Ferengi shenanigans, so it's going to be a little bit different, right? Yeah. Is, is Quark even in this episode? I don't know if he is, actually. Did he show up at the bar for some reason? You think so, probably, but he's like... Nope. Nope, he's not in it. He's been able to lead. He's had two lead episodes in the last three weeks, so he probably got some time off. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because even Worf explains how he kind of got the yips back on the asteroid. Yeah, that Worf is like, yeah, what he talks about that. That Cisco scene. Yeah, that that scene where... Tova Doc, which is a moment of clarity in battle, because that's like when he explains, like, I almost, I wavered and considered letting them kill me, but then Martok and... Basically, Cisco's like asking uh, Worf, like, why are you standing for Martok so much? And he's like, we had a moment when I was going to let myself die and we looked in each other's eyes. And well, there's no word for it in the human language. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. A moment of clarity between two warriors on the field of battle. He they? goes, Captain Cisco, have you ever been to summer camp? <laughs> uh, he, he had given me his warrior's heart. Yeah. If you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. And then, no, but that, that, I mean, that is really sort of moving and then like you get the feeling that cisco didn't understand it and that there's less like paying of loss that like that's the the way he plays all of these things are very interesting to me that cisco like i don't understand right, that. but and i don't I, have and to i feel like that's i feel like that's a loss of my own that i won't get to experience that but yeah right right but i will say and at the end of that scene cisco says kapla better than Worf does <laughs> yeah because he's like a he's I mean, like, both him and Dax are both tourists in Klingon culture. Mm-hmm. Yes. But Dax has, you know, got more cred. <laughs> like, right, you know, right, he's right. got a street pass. Curzon, Dax is well regarded among the Klingons. And I almost think that they overplay that in this scene. Perhaps. Where yeah. it's like she's like one of the most famous non Klingons in history or something. Yeah, the great Curzon Dax would never deign to go with the bad news bears. Yeah. It's not the wharf is dating to fuck a non Klingon woman. Right. It's that Curzon Dax would never fuck a loser like Worf. <laughs> right. He has no house. And I thought that was a really interesting sort of interplay in the episode. Yeah. Yeah. And then that scene with all the DS9 crew, they have to all take over Worf's job. Oh, yeah duties while he's like uh, he's got a detached service to the Klingon defense forces or whatever like O'Brien's got to redo the small arms recalibration for everything and Kira's revising the duty roster well that that's one of the things that does not work for me a little bit I might have something because in the very next scene Dax goes off and like cashes in her vacation time (laughs) oh I I was about to bring that up too yeah like she's the new fleet liaison right and so the duties are split even more so and she just takes her time off like right but the interesting thing (laughs) or the the kind of foreshadowing bit is that Bashir is the intelligence officer. Ain't no foreshadowing. That's my problem. That ain't no foreshadowing. He was a whiny baby bitch the way he would have been if they'd done the scene in the first season. Like, they have done no work with his I, superhuman abilities. No, no, since. I'm not talking about him being a superhuman abilities, but him being this. I know. I they did the Hour Man James Bond thing. They've had him hanging out with Garrick this whole time. So they've been setting the scene that he's going to be doing some spy shit kind of uh, but, man you're giving i think you're giving them a lot more credit for like I, for their architecture of the I show mean, i'm not saying and that, he acts uh, like a but he acts like he's he wa- he's a big baby bitch about it I'm, I'm not saying he's not but i'm just saying there's they put they made a point of giving him that duty. but the reason that they end up going the way they go with him like the intelligence officer shit 
is because he's a because he's a genetic freak. No. And that doesn't come up again in this I, fucking I, that's not why they give it to him in this episode. That's why they give it to him later. I disagree. And that because from the second episode of the series, they have him railing about, ooh, Garrick's a spy and I'm talking to him. So he's interested in that from the beginning of the season. And why one. is he not interested in this episode? He bitches about but it on three separate occasions. I'm not saying that it's done. I'm just saying that they didn't pull that out of their ass. I guess even though he's whiny bitch about it, that's fine. But I'm just I'm just saying that it, all I was doing is pointing out that it's not out of nowhere that they decided to give that to him. I know. My point is is ultimately that they have since and having this huge character redefining moment since retconning his whole character, they've given him zero differentiating beats than they would have if he didn't. Right. But so, I don't like, and that's what's ultimately irritating to me is that we know that this little bit of extra work ain't fucking up his week. Uh, right. We're fine. Because yeah. he should have the brain capacity to, to process all of this shit without it being. But like, if he used to be a whiny bitch so that he, like, is a personality trait. Oh, I see what you're saying. That would be one thing, but like right. they give him more work and he literally, he bitches about it more than anybody else where he's literally like, you know, he's, well, he's, comp- yeah. he's limitless. He's limitless and they're not like, that's a, that's a fair complaint. But to say that they're just, the whole idea of making him interested in spy shit is not something they're just pulling out because of that's it. That's maybe true, but I'm saying that he's not interested in it this episode. It would be better if he was A, interested in it, or B, fine with all of the capacity. <laughs> or good at it. I'm not saying it's They be- chose the worst I'm not saying it's better or anything. I'm just saying they chose to bring it up as a thematic thing. Yeah, they're, they're, they're pushing him towards, yes, intelligence work, yes. Uh, ideal, but I, I wish they would do it in a way that like <laughs> wasn't dumb. Told me that wasn't like that wasn't like they weren't doing it at all. Yeah, I disagree that they're not doing it at all. But fine, I'll stop arguing about it. <laughs> but what about the way he acted today? Said genetic limitless. No one man should have all this I power. I didn't bring up that part of it at all. I'm just bringing up what he's done in the past and where they might be going in the future mm-hmm. with intelligence plots with the character. I didn't bring up yeah. the genetic thing at all yes he's doing intelligence work because it makes sense for him to do intelligence work i agree it doesn't make sense for him to be a whiny bitch about it which is the only way they really had he's to... been a whiny bitch about Other it every... than that's his whole character yeah, except he's been that's that... the only character they've given him up to this point yes. yeah they retconned his character but some things they kept the same <laughs> unfortunately okay <laughs> yes <laughs> Yeah, but back to the good stuff that I loved. Yeah. Yes, she goes on this. I guess Dax can do whatever the fuck she wants to do, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> like, is what... The show has not said otherwise in its five seasons so far. If she wants to go join her boyfriend on the Shangri-La planet, she can do that. If she wants to join her old Klingon pals and go kill some dudes, they might grumble, but she can do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if she wants to join her boyfriend on a Klingon bird of prey... She's got four months leaves. She can do that. Yeah, it's sort of a strange. Is she a Mary Sue? No, I don't think so either. But I, and I love her in this episode, and I I think that finally that she. Won. I don't no. think she is. I think that she all of her skills are earned, and like yeah, yeah. she had yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. That, yeah, that's the way not. you would have a competent. I mean, four hundred, three hundred year old person, but it, that, yeah, it it does seem like that she can. She slides. She sort of slides through things without a lot of without a lot of work for the writers to have to put her there. Uh, but thank God. I mean, it was a, it was like I said, it was a super intelligent decision that to put her in there because otherwise there'd have been a lot of ruminating. Yeah, mm-hmm. and yeah. a lot of like uh, angry stares. Right. It would have been more stares than like a Bruce Lee movie, <laughs> but it had to somebody to like go through and like, what the fuck is everybody going on? Why are you such a you know like right right and all she's, of these kinds of. 
things that were really great. And we've great. established she's a better Klingon than Worf is in a lot of ways. Yes. And yes. she kind of pulls that role here. Mm-hmm. When they're going on and he's going on the ship, he's like, uh, I don't. I would not like a lengthy goodbye. And she's like, me neither. And, and he's like, what the fuck are you doing? I'm coming on with you. And mm-hmm. he's not wearing his sash because she's like, you don't wear your sash? You don't think they'll mind that you don't have a house? He's like... I don't give a shit what they want. It's like, okay, well, good call. That's the right call as a Klingon. She knows it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's, she's like, good on you. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. And then, I mean, there's the scene where she's like. She's like, why didn't you tell me you were coming on? It's like, well, it's more fun this way. We get fun loving Dax. Yes. She boos. The other Klingons come up and see her. And she's like, she's like boo. And because they don't know. It's like, rolls take chuck the mock. Ooh, that true? <laughs> Sorry. The female Klingon yells at another Klingon. You gotta let this trill dude give you shit, and then like, but this is a great curse on Dax, and they're like, oh. Uh, she calls one of them an incel, uh, <laughs> right? She uh, she whoops one of them's ass for sitting in her chair. This is like it's all fun stuff. Yeah. It's good shit. Klingons really care about chairs because Worf has in the past. Yeah, yeah it's it's very much about this. Um, like it is about like sort of the force with how you establish your your you know it is all about dominance. And even if you fail, like, because at the end, it was like, well, is Worf like a pariah now? Because he lost this little thing. And it was like, no, they respect aggression even when aggression fails. Yeah, yeah. Like, the respect is always on the aggression. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was, it was rather interesting. And then it, I guess it was contrasted between these two other... So you have, like, a, basically you're introduced to three new Klingons. Right. One of which is the girl that's there to Tavana, be... the engineering <laughs> officer. Which is there to give Dex money to talk to. Yeah, basically. It was like how uh, in Infinity War, one of the one of the Thanos people had to be a girl so that the girl Avengers could fight her. <laughs> oh shit! Uh, yeah, um, yeah, and but, she's uh, even when like when shit pops off, stick with me. I'll stick make with sure me. You're safe. We'll stick together. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then there's Kornan, son of Shavak, the weapons officer. Is he with the sleeveless arms? Yes. Like, he gives Worf the Wii U remote oh, yeah, yeah. to take over the command. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> like, uh, we have no, had no victories for seven months. Oh. None of you are worthy of my honor or my life, but I'll serve you anyways. This and, is a touchscreen, but it will not be integrated with anything <laughs> that was on there. So, and he's kind of the man in search of glory that I guess that he's got like glory blue balls. Right, right. And his sort of rage. And then you have Tackleberry. Leskit. Leskit. Yeah, yes. On the Rotarin. The glorious Tackleberry from Police Academy movies. <laughs> right. And they're all on the Rotary Club ship, the Rotarin. Yes. Who who by the way died in two thousand. Oh shit. And he was like yeah, he was like fifty one when he died. Like Tackleberry oh, man. Like, died not long after this. So fucking R.I.P. Tackleberry. But um, Tackleberry is like, I guess he's supposed to be the one that's absorbed it to the point of cynicism. Right, yeah. Where he has no, you know, that he's so cynically brought down low by the the nature of, like, these guys have just had their asses whooped a lot by the Jemadar. Yeah, they're going around the Tong Beak Nebula Instead of going through it because Martok's afraid of seeing any Jim Hadar and they're like avoiding a fight? What? Hmm. And that's the first kind of like, is Martok a pussy? <laughs> and there is there is this already this sort of sense in this sort of well developed sense throughout the whole episode that that the Jim Hadar is just like a weapon to demoralize the Klingons. Right, yeah. And they like everything about them in some way, like they're they're tough and unbeatable. But also that there's no like there's this little scene where the the, the angry young Klingon talks about how fun it was to fight the 
Cardassians. Oh, yeah. Because the Cardassians were worthy enemies. And they like, you know, that there was like this respect of the battlefield that they felt where the Jemadar just are emotionless, like killing machines. Yeah, yeah. You can respect a Clint Cardassian. He follows a code. Yeah. The Jem. Jim Hadar, he says it differently. Yeah, Sorry. and I felt like that was effective in this episode, but I also felt like that's not like any of the Jim Hadar we met. Right, I kind of noticed, felt that too. They kind of have a little bit. Yeah, of- and Martok and Worf understand that. Right. You know, but also they understand that the Jim Hadar aren't the generals of the war. Right. Well, the thing is, they don't fight for their personal honor, though. They fight for the mm-hmm. founders, you know. The religious zealots as opposed to, yeah, sort of. Right. And like, oh, we're just made to be little, yeah. Uh, Makcha is Klingon for engage. Makcha. I wrote down a whole long Klingon sea shanty that Worf sings. Oh, yeah, they had that uh, scene that later uh, Peter Jackson ripped off from like, Hobbit 1. Sorry, I could go on. Please. And it lasted. No, I was enjoying that. It lasted as long as the scene in the hub. Yeah. Oh, I, you know, I was jumping around. I wonder if you could drop a sick beat behind that. James in post. What? Can you drop a sick beat behind that in post? I could. Wait. We can. We can, we can. <laughs> <laughs> Auto tune <laughs> that. <laughs> I'm, I'm having my son programmer beat every day to have something to do in the summer. So I'll let him. I'll get him. <laughs> oh, yeah. See what he can do with it. Yeah. Get that dubstep beat behind it. Uh, oh, this, you could put a sick ass beat mm. on this. Sorry. And uh, I mean, I guess that's all, the whole point of it is that, that you can see that they have no joy in how they sing it and they're not, yeah. they take no pride. They're Klingon without honor. Right, yeah. Because they've had it demoralized and beat from them. So You sound like a Ferengi with no pride left. And run faster than, yeah. Oh, the, he's, there's no mystery. She's the Parmok of the first officer. And she's like, Look, you said this is when she calls him an incel or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Are you gonna tell Martok we're talking shit about him? Are you fucking him too? She's like, I'm not fucking anybody, but you can't get laid. I can't. I'm a volcel. You're a incel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tackleberry. <laughs> right. And Tackleberry's a drunk. I guess he's a shitty drunk. You people go about your business or I'll crack some heads. Yeah. And like, she brought on a bunch of blood wine. Three barrels of blood wine. They they haven't gotten any because they haven't won any battles. They haven't and then she's it. like, this place is going to explode. This place. I wonder why, yeah, Dax. Like, I wonder why this. Drunk. <laughs> I'm sorry, Warf. There's a mutiny after I've got everybody drunk. <laughs> this ship is made for tears, not laughter. Yeah. And <laughs> holy shit, what a what a fucking dour line <laughs> all of that. for a Star Trek show. Yeah, yeah. death and dishonor walk these corridors <laughs> like members of the crew. Holy, yeah, do Klingons have no chill? I mean, that's what you take away from that. <laughs> they really don't. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that was the you know that thesis that she says is that every Klingon is a person and they have a personality. Just it's very, it is any other race. That's bound to a similar culture. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, they're just as diverse as any other culture. They got their cowards. and their- Yeah. And so you see that, like, that one of the, the great things that they've chosen to do, which maybe no one's ever really thought to do on Klingons before, is actually to show this sort of diversity of personality. And, it, and they need to do it as a contrast to the Jim Hadar and the Wayunes who have, like, no mm-hmm. real variation of personality. 
almost you know by design so that makes you know that's like the borg and all of these things is that the lack of diversity is the horror element and i don't mean just you know i don't mean diversity like the way people not like the way kathleen kennedy's running star wars now right no i'm talking about like you know just <laughs> actually having different varying personalities not, not like how they can have jg who's a white guy but also yeah Worf, who's a black guy actor is like no that's the Klingons. Sometimes I do wonder when they like when they showed the guy's full arms and they did no makeup on the guy's arms. I'm like, they wouldn't do that with Martok, would they? <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, sometimes where it's just they give Martok a big, huge uh, feather set of arms. Mm. Which uh, yeah, I just think that sometimes I don't know. It's hard to say. Sure. That sometimes with Klingons, they just allow the blackness to be the like the, yeah. the cling, like and that's like weird to me that they don't give them any other sort of prosthetics on their arms that make them look different than just you know well it's not like they give the white it's, white guys they just cover up their they, arms but they wouldn't though they wouldn't though <laughs> yeah right yeah and they cover those fuckers up yeah they wouldn't let those like some white they wouldn't right. like that, that's JG the point Herzl's, like flabby white arms yeah like, <laughs> like out there yeah. sure sure yeah, but but they're they're all wearing a considerable. It's weird. I don't know how to like think about yeah. it. You know, it's weird. Right, right, right. Yeah, the the guy with the Cardassian neck bones didn't have to. Yeah, yes, yes. He wore sleeves, or that was Leskett. That was Tackleberry. Yeah, Tackleberry's in a gown, Tackleberry. I think. <laughs> but where are we at? Uh, so then they they come across a, some Jim Hadar ships, and they're still cloaked. They're just doing Polaron scans, and and like, should we match velocity and take them out? And then, oh yeah, because they, they get to jump on it, some Jim Hadars. Yeah, yeah, and Martok wimps out, mm. and he nuts sex out, and just kind of like, no. And I feel like early on, you do have Worf saying like, Worf was almost it was like, we should probably pick an artificial battle, right? Just to like fight some fuckers and get some buddies, like yeah, yeah like just to get some. We got to build up the morale of the crew. And, yeah, and then he goes off in Martok's ready room or wherever. He's like. To hell with prudence. That was an easy victory. And then, mm. and then Martok is like, that was dangerous. There was little risk. And Martok's like, you fucking dick. <laughs> you turn it on me. It's like, I think those scenes with Martok are probably, I think those two scenes of Martok's ready room may be some of the best written work we've had so far in Deep Space Nine. Because it's showing, it's doing everything you want, like a speech to do. It's about, he's right. He's saying things that he thinks are right. But it's indicating such a such a deep sort of trauma mm-hmm. and like how like the words, I don't know, like that was a special moment I felt in both of those scenes. And then how Worf took them to like, oh, you're like, you need like what we would say to, it's like, oh, you need therapy. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. <laughs> like you're not well and that's not a problem. Like I get you went through some shit. But, like, you can't, you know, Klingons can't do that. And so he has this sort of, like, I loved all of those things. And I thought that Herzl was particularly uh, nailed those scenes. Yeah, no, he's, yeah. So, yeah, we talked about the guys like the Jim Hadar better, uh, better than us. Like, oh, fighting the Cardassians with Gulls, Legates, and Glens. Have we had any Cardassian Glens mentioned yet? I guess that's a rank. I don't know. Bef- uh, yeah, I don't pretty know. sure. Pretty sure we haven't. That's weird. Yeah, they just had to had uh, rule of three. We need three different ranks at least if we're going to talk about them. Well, there's a uh, there's the Cardassian Glenn Miller, uh, <laughs> Glenn Gary, and Glenn Ross. They run a co uh, ship together. Now. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, always be closing is <laughs> yes, a pretty always, big rule of of Cardassian. Always society. be scheming against your enemies. <laughs> right. Uh, you can respect them. They follow a code, but not the Jemadar. That's why they're better than us. 
They have no honor. The Shem Hadar are the future because they can break us just like they broke Martok. That's and enough. Jadzia has always got a phaser Klingon. It's like she did in the Sword of Kalis when they're getting into fights because when they say they broke Martok is when Kornan jumps across the table and Martok fears them! Shit starts getting out of hand and that's when Jadzia realizes like the ship's a powder keg and like shit's gonna go food board. Mm. Yeah, the crew's falling apart and you know, cause Cornan, he needed to, he had to fight somebody cause he hasn't been in a fight and he's a Klingon. They, they got a fight. Mm-hmm. Martok left more than an eye at that prison camp. They need a leader who reminds them of their duty as title of episode, <laughs> soldiers of the empire. You think this blood on bad on me? We'll just wait till all the decks are dripping with it. Yeah. Oh, me. this thing had a weird blood spill motif. Yeah, it did. Early on, mm-hmm. uh, Grandma Grandma Bashir bitched about Martok getting blood on her furniture. Yep. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. On, yeah, yeah. Whitey ass Bashir. Blood on her uniform, and then she's... Yeah, blood, yeah. yeah, and so, that yeah, there's this... This show does all the little shit you want, like, equalities. All the little things that make a writer feel good about himself, you know, like... <laughs> right. Just, all these thematic elements of the episode that really tie together. Yeah, it does all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah there's that little motif going on but basically it's getting to the point where somebody is going to try and kill martok right right it can either be wharf or it can be sleeveless uh to- sl- yeah or yeah like yeah. cardassian necklace guy cornon or less gets the necklace that's no, uh, i thought it was uh, i thought it was like arm sleeves cornon's mm, arm sleeves is cornon with the great voice yeah he had the he had the neck bones uh, well then there's also ortaka is the one that cornon beat the shit out of because Cornan's the one that jumped over the table. Oh, maybe it was. Yeah, he's maybe, not the one. Wait, that, yes. Because Tavana later, when Tavana is talking to Dax, and she's like, "When shit pops off, stick with me." And then Dax is like, "Oh, Ortaka was your parmak," and he's like, "Yes, I'll protect you." Mm-hmm. Because Cornan was just being quiet until he blew up and went and jumped to the guy. I don't know. But Worf's got a, yeah. So Worf's got a because uh, they've they've tracked the ship, and they followed it. It's like. Seven light years away, it's like the Bamoth is the ship that they're looking for. And it's drifted over the Cardassian border, perhaps. Or they know the ship's there. And, and then it's another scene in the ready room, another great scene with Worf and Martok, where it's like, he's, he just loses his shit, where it's like, it's a trap. Mm-hmm. I was with two two years with the Cardassian, with the Jem'Hadar. And if, 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 if there's survivors on the ship, then why are they there? It's a trap. To the Jem'Hadar, we are nothing more than, than targets to be destroyed. I must not let them destroy us. With Worf, all due respect, General. And then Worf is like, get your shit together, man. <laughs> Chill the fuck out, General Martok. Like, it doesn't matter. We have to go after, you know. The- but it, it's pretty clear that at this point that Martok is not just going to listen to Worf. Yeah. That, that right. his yips are, are such that... Like he's pretty deeply internalized the yips, so right, right, yeah. And then there we get a combat log from First Officer Worf from the year, the fifty third day of the year of Kalis nine hundred ninety nine, which is the star date, I guess. So, but I don't know if we've ever known just how old Kalis was or how long ago that was, but it's about a thousand years, I guess. It seems like they probably said uh, it a bunch in that that episode of TNG about Kalis. Uh, where he came back, yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, and I just want to point out, like, like what Martok is going through is a very well-documented condition of war. Mm-hmm. It is, like, absolutely something that, that soldiers and generals and all levels of people, including presidents and other things, go through. And it's a very, I mean, like, that 
like I, I feel like knocking this two episode two episodes ago about Kira and her dad, surrogate dad. Like it's this is not emotions that people feel. I mean, this is like this was something that absolutely people feel is that you know you get cowed by failure, and and in a way that where you what just seems like prudence, right? Like the typical like cat like like that that's something that I like and is that these emotions that like why it's why I always say that bravery is I feel like a thing that people talk about in shows and characters and entertainment, but they don't really like understand like what it pushes to like actually like, like what would it, what would you have to draw within yourself to actually jump out of a building on fire? You know, like, you know, these kinds of things where like, what would you have to do to go through that? And that's one of the things that the blowback from that is that you have these, you recalibrate, you know, you see things and you think that I'm, I'm doing the same process. I'm being a smart general. Like that's what Martok's thinking. Mm-hmm. I'm being a smart general. I'm doing the things, but you don't realize how you're right. I'm not, I'm not going to put my crew at unnecessary risk. I'm being mm-hmm. smart about You don't this. realize the nature of the fear that you have. And that's, that's a, mm-hmm. yeah. And that's why in war, these toxic masculine power structures exist is to force people out of that right right i mean in a in a more enlightened world which we should all want you treat these through you know therapy and mental you know and and, and some form of understanding yeah, yeah. but they didn't you know they didn't understand that in sparta or or in any military organization right well where they understand that you can't do that you have to be able to mm-hmm. let these people die you know it's like you're there to kill people and yeah to do that one you got to dehumanize them but you also yourself to an extent yeah. i mean i don't know and that's Maybe. i mean and that's I in vietnam you like the nature of fragging your generals or your commanding officers where you yeah, sh- yeah. you're i mean they, that happened all the time in vietnam right 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 where soldiers just shot their commanding officers or threw a grenade into their tents at night or something that's yeah that's gotta be crazy yeah and it's to get a get someone that doesn't have like to get someone with bravery and a sense of like accomplishment to move in there. Yeah. Yeah. Because it only makes you feel worse because you're helpless and afraid where he's powerful and afraid. Right. 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 And so, yeah, so it's, it's, it's all complicated. It's all like, like it's nailed in this, in these scenes. So, yeah. And then there are 5 million Kelicans from the border, which is like a, I guess a Klingon kilometer is a Kelican. Can I, can I just pick out one one little nitpicky thing that, that irritated me throughout this episode? And it, it might have to do with me just not understanding how the command structure works. Mm-hmm. But in t- titles and command structure, he is General Martok. But often because he's in command of a ship called Captain. Captain. Yeah. Why can't he just retain his... Why can't he just retain just- his general... Like when they address him, it's because there's no general in the naval structure, and so it's weird that he's called a general to begin with, uh, because everything's navy. Sure, but he's got command. I know like, it's weird. It's weird. It's weird. It's very weird. I don't like it. Uh, it's an army. I mean, it's. I don't think there's a general at all in the <laughs> naval structure. I don't think so. Yeah, that there's admirals, admirals and, and then they have admirals, and then once you get moved up, when, well, see, when Kirk was an admiral and and he got control of the the Enterprise back mm-hmm. in like Star Trek, what what which was it five. And they go off and look for God or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Well, he also he's an admiral in one and steals the ship from. Right. right. He loses his admiralty. The child molester. Yeah. That's what. It, yeah. 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 Well, I mean, he gets I, demoted at the end of four. I don't remember, but right. he, at one point he was an admiral, and they yeah. referred to him as admiral when he was mm-hmm. on the fucking bridge because it's a naval. It's it is weird. You're right. You're right. It's weird. I noticed it too. 
Well, you know, we'll just say Klingons have a different... It's lost in translation. So <laughs> I don't know. They're Klingons. So right. Theoretically, when they called him general, he would have been an army. He would have been in control of ground troops, and which is weird, because why? Like you never even hear right. about ground troops. Because then he's because he's got a heart on to be back on a ship, though. Yeah. That's, right. like, but, that's I mean, what he was... I, he, I wouldn't... I mean, you're right. But, you know... They're aliens. It's not a one to one. So sure. maybe the Klingon. You're, you're, that is right. The Klingon translation for captain is just the person in command of a ship. But so, to make it uh, worse, there is a captain in the army, and it's way, way, way under general. <laughs> like, yeah. you, be, like <laughs> you can be a captain in the army and be a non-com. You don't think you can be a general? In the <laughs> right, army. right, right. Yeah, like, like it's the third tier. It's, I think, <laughs> like you, you're private, private, first class. <laughs> Tenant, corporal, then your captain. Like, I mean, like, it, you can get there in a couple of years or three or four, you know. Yeah, right, right. Like, right. I don't know. It's, but <laughs> it's not quite uh, translatable. Yes, yeah. There's something, yeah. That's a good, that's a good point you bring up there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I did notice it and I was like, okay, that's weird that he has to drop his his rank to do it. But yeah. So they they notice that they find the ship they're looking for. Right. And then it's drifted across the border and. He won't cross the border, and Worf is like, what the fuck? Klingon, the council, will not give a shit. Martok says, I have very strict order." Yeah, he's like, look, <laughs> look here, motherfucker. I'm a Klingon. You're Kl- they're Klingons. They're not going to care. One, the Jem'Hadar doesn't care. They'll just come out and fight us, whether or not what side of the border we're on. But two, you really think the Klingon High Council is going to give you shit? For rescuing a bunch of Klingons, if you don't respect the boundaries of the Cardassians, <laughs> the whole point is that we fucking don't respect the mm-hmm. we don't respect Cardassian boundaries. That's why we went to war with them. So, yeah, but it's uh, because he's afraid. Yeah, and so and then it, it moves to the point where you know shit was stations, stations. Yeah, shit was tensions. Uh, tensions were high before, but it gets to the point where Worf is like, "I'm going to have to kill Marduk." <laughs> right. There's only one thing I can do. I'm going to have to challenge him and kill him and and dax is like yep i agree <laughs> i love <laughs> dax right i love that she's she's gloriously like she understands the world around her she understands what world she's in yeah and it's a it's a delightful trait yeah yeah she's like yeah i don't think that bashir or even kira like I, I get frustrated that kira does it like you know that there's not a lot more of this sort of world war weariness but i like that when dax is just she knows what world she's in yeah and she knows where the klingons like like better than Worf does she's like you know she's like dude man no room for sentimentality he's fucking up and then you know Worf is on the bridge and all the other uh let's get and the other high tower and um great voice klingon come on and they're like mardok must die and shed no tears for him and Today would be a bad day to die. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Take your trill and go. Take your trill. <laughs> and then Worf is like a badass. Like, That's unlikely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, you were a coward. And then Worf's like, no, chill out, dudes. We're going over there. and We're going to save the Bamoth. And they're like, okay, great. And then Martok jumps on bridge. He's like, what the fuck? And then, yeah, he challenges it. They have a pretty good fight. Well, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, Gorf goes for it. Yeah. And, uh, like, I like the, the you know, like, it, it's one of those scenes where the crowd is a character of the fight. Where, right. They're, Worf, they're, they're Worf, with Worf, Worf. And then, like, as it goes on, they're like, hmm. Right. He cuts Worf. And then they have a moment of Doc Tova where they don't say that they had it or anything. But there's a point where they're, you know, locked blades after Worf's cut. 
Martok on the same place he got cut at the beginning of the episode that Bashir checked out. Mm-hmm. He's got that cut, and then they're looking into each other's eyes, and there's a moment where they share a look, and then there's a headbutt, and then Martok stabs Worf. Yes, and, I, you know, whatever. You find out, like, five seconds later that it was clear to Martok that Worf was dropping his defenses. Right, yeah. Worf knew what he was doing. And that Martok, and he was like, how did you know that in my bloodlust I wouldn't kill you? And Worf was like, I, I didn't. I did, didn't. But yeah, as soon as he gets stabbed, they've switched yes. from chanting Worf to they're all pro-Martok. Oh, yeah. And then Martok's like, the Jemadar will soon learn to regret this day because he's gotten his battle joy to vive back. And so he's like, because then there's tactical alert, tactical alert, the Jemadar have come over the border in the middle of their fight. But now that he's gotten his blood back, he's like, well, fuck it. I'm not a coward. You know, then he's ready to fight the mm-hmm. Jem'Hadar. And they skip over that because Jadzia has got to take Worf to the infirmary. And she's like, oh, I can, I th- sometimes I know why I love you because she, she's like, clearly. Yeah, she got what was going yeah. on there. Yeah, yeah. I think that like that, um, the people who don't understand why the crowd was for Worf and then was for Martok at the end, the people that don't understand that are the same people who spend all of their days on Twitter just texting, President Trump, how dare you? Like that that person. Oh, right. <laughs> they don't realize that like people generally just like winners. And like <laughs> if you let a fucker win in some sort of dumb way, like, you know, like, uh, like I, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, Melania Trump came out today, but she hasn't been like, like, she had been seen in a month, and then it was like every every time that the, everybody started, it was like, should we start tweeting about this all the time and speculating because we want to because it's fun. And it was like the moment that you do, you're playing a game, and then you're you're gonna like, oh, I think that she fucking left him, and then she's gonna come out and he's gonna say, fuck you assholes, and like everybody in, in Middle America is gonna go, well, he won that one, <laughs> you know. And I'm just like, yeah, yeah, it's a like. People just kind of gravitate to winners, and it doesn't matter how, how dumb the win is, how dumb the game. If you win, <laughs> right? That guy, he does throw shit at a wall better than you do. I mean, I just—it's pretty objective. <laughs> right. So I'm going to follow him, like you know. So right, and right. that was yeah, yeah. Though if he'd stabbed Worf and said, "All right, I'm captain again. Now run away from these Jim Hadar." It would have been bad, but yeah, Worf read the room. He knew how it was going to play out. Yeah. yeah, and he knew that it would get his blood up. Uh, yeah, yeah, and his humors up. Yeah, so bloodlust up back. Yeah, yeah. It was Worf being smart about doing dumb, violent shit. <laughs> like, well, that's 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 what the best Klingons are very smart about their dumb, violent shit. That's right. That, yeah. That's what I was yeah. going to say. The exact same thing. Yeah. He, he's. Yeah. Yeah, it's a yeah. yeah. He, I mean, it's a culture, yeah. and he uh, he finally, after years, is starting to understand the culture, <laughs> right? And knows you know how to yeah yeah. And he's got people beside him that know the culture as well or better than him. Mm-hmm. And you do see that where you know from whatever uh, O'Brien said at the beginning, you know, how do these people? Mm-hmm. How do you live in this kind of you know chaos world? And it's like it's not chaos, but you have to kind of accept some things that you would find unacceptable, and once you do. You see that there's a hierarchy in leadership and how, how hierarchies are established by quality leadership and stuff like that. You see like that, how that grows. Right, right. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. And so, and then they get back to DS9. They save 35 survivors of the Bamoth. They need an engineering crew. Oh, and 15 barrels of blood wine. Yeah. 
He wanted him in the he wanted him jammed into the porthole like in the docking yeah, yeah. bay. Like I like that. As soon as we yeah, get off I, that thing, we just I don't want to yeah. walk anywhere. I just want Yeah, it was really good. Um, and then they have the scene like I thought you were disloyal, but you were a, a good friend. Except <laughs> written better. Yes. Uh yeah, and then I didn't know that you wouldn't kill me and and then then this is a big big moment for Worf. He's like Oh, well, you're the house of Moog is dead, but, you know. Oh, he's looking at his sash. He's got a sash back on. Yeah. He's got a sash back on, and Martok is like, why are you wearing that sash of the house of Moog? And Worf is like, well, Jadzia calls it a sentimental gesture. But he's like, well, you know, Martok, you're my BFF. <laughs> if you want to be house of Martok, I'd be honored as a warrior and as a bro, as a brother. Yeah. And he changes his charm bracelet. <laughs> And puts on the Martok charm bracelet. Yeah, yeah, he changes his... But, and I don't really know, like, this is where... Like, if there was a show that was going to do, like, uh, go really in-depth on Klingon culture and Klingon houses... Uh-huh. Um, like, uh, <laughs> if there was a show that was going to do that, it would be really refreshing, because then you would learn what it meant to be a part of House Martok. Uh, yeah. They'll never make a show like that. <laughs> no. Yeah, no. So, like, because I, I... You know, because at first <laughs> I was kind of like... I guess that the houses are sort of large kingdoms you don't really think about it you know right right you, know, you don't really think about it in that way almost corporations maybe i don't know like because they don't have a product or anything but like uh, i'd say fiefdoms or something yeah i mean they're it's an empire they got but like did i wonder like did the people that work the lane is there a f- surf culture in these places like, i mean there's a lot of, about it that we don't know it's a shame that there's not a show that would flesh it out for us in a way that was i know <laughs> yeah that, that was satisfactory uh does this change your old man wharf pitch if he's house of martok instead of house of moog no no i mean he can still be house. i don't yeah, know i mean who knows no. they might bring back the house. i do think that like i did think while he was telling him that i was like can I go find my brother that I lobotomized? <laughs> right. Who's <laughs> now like working on the back of a freighter and like let him know that he's in a fancy new, he's a fancy house now. <laughs> or, or say his son. Or his, yeah. Not like, who? Like, I guess my son's cool. <laughs> like he can, yeah. No, no, I don't, I don't think so. I think that, I mean, you could even be like, it could be the, the house of Martok. I don't, I don't care. But like, it, yeah, it's just old man war. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess he would probably form its own house at some point, right? Maybe. Do they ever do that? Do they ever go and make their own house? Um, is it like a chef where you work under, like as a sous chef to a famous <laughs> chef, and then you go open your own restaurant? And then if it fails, you go back and work at it again? <laughs> well, for a second, there was the House of Quark, right? Yeah, yeah, there was a House of Quark. Uh, yeah. I guess, I mean, there's, I guess there's Houses different- come and go. Easy come, easy go with these fucking houses, right? It was kind of right. like when Josh McDaniels left Bill Belichick to go uh, coach the, the Denver Broncos, and then he failed, and now he's back working under Bill Belichick. <laughs> right. Well, like, houses might come and go. There might be houses, but not every house is on the high council, I bet, right? Yes, that's true. So. Yeah, I, 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 yeah. So he, yeah, he ended up in a good place. Oh, yeah, Call, yeah. Call him- Calling Martok a pussy in front of everybody really worked out well for Ward. Um, <laughs> right, right. So that's good. Yeah. Kapla. Kapla. Yeah, there was lots of Kapla at the end. And, uh. We, we, yeah, they sang the song and they were happy to sing the song. That was after the. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Stop me anytime. And there are. are, 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 are Daxon. Daxon. Okay. 
<laughs> sorry, sorry. You said I can stop, stop me at any time okay. and I start talking. I don't know. Can I stop you at any time? <laughs> yeah. uh, but like, they're not, they're not engaged don't, now, are don't they? Don't be a coward. They're not engaged, Dax. Dax and Worf. Uh, they're Parmakai, whatever that means. I don't know. How far are we away from them getting married? Um, I mean, spoilers. Well, uh, it's got to be in season six, right? I think it's very early in the season six, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no spoilers, but it's it's got to be in season six, right? <laughs> it's got to be in season it's six, gotta we're be. pretty sure. Uh, yeah, but I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's in the cards. I mean, they, now that they're Parmakai, as soon as they fucked... They should be getting married because that's just how it's done. I just think that means girlfriend, right? It does. Well, but that's. But I mean, as soon as they fucked, Worf was like, you know, we gotta get married now because it's a conservative culture. <laughs> yeah, but she's not into that, right? No, no, she's not. Right. So I mean, it's you know, it's, it's a different. It's Klingon. They're aliens. Who knows what it means? Yeah, you are cordially invited. It is the seventh season in episode six. Oh yeah. shit! Seventh like episode, seasons. Seven seasons. No, I'm sorry. Seventh episodes of six, season six. Sorry about that. No, no, no. She all doesn't right. jump all in right. the gun. So no, now no. you all know exactly. We, we, we I was going to say the end of season. Deep Space Nine. Yes. 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 Yeah, I'm going to go out on a limb say that much, for no reason. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, no. This is a. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, this is a. This is a ten. Uh, I'll watch this for fun any day. Sure. Yeah, this is a 10 for me. Yes. It makes me wish that they're really... If if Ronald D. Moore could have just gotten a Klingon show. Oh, yeah. This did make... Back then. I don't want to talk about Discovery, but this show yeah. bummed me out a little bit about... Because the, like, yeah. they even bring up like what people said, oh, we got to show more diversity in the Klingons. I mean, they don't... They look the same, but they're military. They're going to be somewhat regimented. But even Dax says, like, look, the Klingon culture is very, you know, mm-hmm. very diverse. They might all be warlike and stuff, but there's still a lot of room for stuff. And, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and we have, like, I mean, they're they're basically Vikings. So there is a lot, like, a basis for mm-hmm. these kinds of, there's a basis for their hierarchy and structure. It did, it, this sort of highlights when I was so, like, obviously, Discovery was a, we all, you know, we think it's a disaster. It could have been better, to say that much. But, like, when it wasn't a foregone disaster, and I was negative about the, them changing so much Klingon stuff, one of the things was is that I was like, this is a well-established, like, I like this, I want, and I know I'm not going to get it, it's lost to the sands of time, but, like, I want more of this Ronald D. Moore working the Klingon culture and, and sort of going in and out of it. And like, and that was that they were moving away from that. They were somehow taking that away to go in a new direction, which is interesting for people who want new directions. I like new directions too. Yeah. Maybe don't call it Star Trek next time. Just call it a space well, show. I mean, but uh, I wasn't even mad with the idea of the new direction, whatever. Yeah. Uh, this is not the discovery podcast, but the execution ended up being, yeah. But then one of the things is that this is, you know, when you get an affinity for a thing, this is why you have trouble letting it go. Yeah, yeah. Maybe this is my defense of Star Wars nerds. Good boy. Yeah, but like, Wait a minute. But when you have an affinity... Wait a minute. I didn't think that's who we were, James. <laughs> but when, when you have affinity for a thing, it's hard to let it go because you... It, it, because it's that feeling. Yeah. You, you were given that... The feeling at the end of this episode where he invites, you know, Worf into his house, that... You're chasing that feeling for the rest of your Star Trek fandom. Yes, yes. I, I understand yeah, what you're yeah, saying. Yeah. And when you, you you know you're not going to get it as much as you want it, but like you could still get it. And when when it, like it seems like when something's terminated, that's when it that's when it goes away. I guess. 
So, I mean, this is a, like, yeah, this is a 10 out of 10 for me. I can't, I can't love this movie. Uh, if from a way you watch <laughs> This is, this is a 10 for me. I, w- yeah. Wade, are you, where, where are you on this? Sure. I'll put it at a 9, 10. Have you given anything a 10 yet? I don't think I have. I've been playing more towards the middle of the uh, bell curve, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, Sorry no, for my it's, phrase. It's the, it's the, the 10 is the Michelin star of the Star Trek. Right, right. Yeah. So, and this is one of those where you're like, oh, like, yeah, the doldrums are over. Like, this clearly had a spirit that the others didn't, <laughs> that you've been watching for three, four weeks. Right. Well, this one was clearly written by a better, yeah. Ronald D. Moore. <laughs> yeah, I want to say, like, the, the script that he originally proposed doesn't sound great. And Iris Stephen Bear did kind of like tell him to make it a smaller story, and it seemed like that was the right direction to tell him. I just don't understand why Iris Stephen Bear had to like shit on it. What was the original pit script? Oh, something totally different. It was the he, he basically just reworked it for Barge of the Dead for Voyager, which I haven't seen. Okay. Oh, that is different. Yeah, like at some point they they find a colony on a planet. It's totally different. It was. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This this does sound better. I mean, that's one of the things that like Ronald D. Moore had a ton of ideas for Klingons. Yeah. Way more than he got to do. Right, right. And it would have been nice to give him a show to let him do it. You know, in comic books, you like you want more Kitty Pride, so they'll do a Kitty Pride six episode. You know, like a six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Like, it would have been great if there was like an eight episode run of Klingons, probably Ronald D. Moore somewhere. You know, just a mini series. Right, right. That, you know, or something like that. That would have been a, a gem. What is the? Are we are we guessing the the number? The IMDb number? Oh, are you are you guys ready for that? I am. No final. Any any other final thoughts before we get like let go? Uh, I, I think that was pretty good. Pretty yeah. much went yeah. over. Yeah, yeah. This is a Chris Farley moment here. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty great, wasn't it? That was awesome. All right. Well, where do you where do you guys think this is at? Uh, eight point two. That's probably high. Eight 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 Oh, I was gonna go higher. Uh, I know for a fact that it's on the the Hollywood Reporter's top ten episodes of DS Nine. So. Uh, I'm gonna go eight point six. Oh, you poor bastard! Oh, what is it? <laughs> you poor dumb bastard! Oh, is it hated? It's seven point seven. No, it's just fuck. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> it's pretty high for these guys. Yeah. No, but I like it's a top ten episode. <laughs> it, it's that even highly voted. It's got seven hundred and sixty-seven votes. <laughs> so wait, if this isn't what people like, what if, like this is one of those things of like, what do people like in Deep Space Nine? They like this not Ferengi love songs. They don't like Ferengi. <laughs> no. I mean, they don't like Ferengis anymore. They don't like Bajorans. I mean, ties ties of blood and water was a seven point two. <laughs> this is Fuck. they only think this is you know. Damn. <laughs> well, I think they Bus- don't like business as usual was a seven point three to put it in perspective. They just think this is a run of a mill shit. They don't think. Don't I think, think this I is... think a lot of people probably liked it a lot, and then some people don't like it because it's not about the Federation. Or they like and shit happening. This isn't necessarily a lot of shit happening. This well, is... Doctor Bashir, I assume, was a seven point eight, and it had it had like fifty more votes. Yeah. That's what they people downvote if it's not to do with Federation people. I think racist. Yes, is what you're saying. Yes, I'm calling you out. Well, but on a Deep Space Nine, when you deal with the Federation, you're dealing with Cisco. So no, uh, well, human race. Oh, 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 yeah. oh! Like literally, I don't like made up races on a Deep Space. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Yes, yeah, <laughs> yes. I wasn't saying that. 
Um, James is like, well, they can't be racist. They like Cisco. Well, <laughs> I was not saying that. I was just saying that like it would like there's a lot of right ra- like there's a lot of racial. But you're you're <laughs> diversity. It, I was yeah. actually meant. I'm an actual humanocentrist. Yeah, seriously, who gives a fuck it's, about that in the show? They just want a bunch of like fucking. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm with you, man. Yeah, who the fuck wants a bunch of like old TOS? We're episodes? all on the same page, on that. Yeah. right? But speaking of that, next week we get a TOS episode. Oh. <laughs> uh, you get a classic Star Trek episode oh, next week. Yeah, uh, Children of Time. They're, they're stuck on a planet, or they're something. stuck on a planet, and they're hanging out with their grandchildren. Oh shit! Yeah. Yep. It's Star Trek as fuck. I don't know how I feel about any of that. Yeah, it's a. Uh, there hasn't really been a classic Star Trek episode in a while. Not in a while, yeah. Where it's like a space conundrum that like. So they they feel contractually obligated. Yeah, yeah. yeah or they've got Berman riding their ass, I guess. Or no, I mean, I don't know. I don't. I don't think I'm gonna. I don't know. Like, I, I think this is a contingent. I don't episode. think it's bad. I think it's a well regarded. Yeah. So kind of. Yeah. So we'll see. I'm. And I haven't watched it in a while, so we'll see how I feel about it. Yeah, so it's uh, uh you get to meet Molly, Molly O'Brien. It's like, Ooh, it's like a different. There's all this weird. It's a weird thing. So everybody, yeah, it's a thinking episode. It's one of them oh, thinkers. It's a thinker. Really gets yeah. makes you think, huh? So yeah, it's a Twilight Zone type thing. So right, right. All right. Cool. All right. On to For all you people that said I was in the boring stage. I, I woke up this week. <laughs> yeah, what? What? I'm awake. I'm awake. Yes. Uh, and you weren't totally wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. That. Thing. I think we went a little long for voicemails this week, but send them in. That's we're at the part where yeah yeah, yeah. we want to we want your voicemails. If we don't get them into the back end of an episode, we'll make an episode just for your voicemails. If you if we get enough good ones, so give us a call at. 917-408-3898 and let us know all your thoughts about Star Trek and whatever you want to talk to us about. Yeah. And if you want to send us an email, do that at rulesofacquisitionpodcast at gmail.com. Um, tell your friends and tell your enemies and tell your mail carrier and do all that other stuff. And also, if you want to support the show financially, and get some other stuff, go to patreon.com slash kickersofelves. And we've got a lot of bonus content up there for your perusal for patrons on that. Yep. All right. Well, thanks again for listening to another episode of the Rules of Acquisition. We hope you join us next week as we go through another episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. For Wade James and myself... Three to beam out. You want to support? Why not make a better beat than that shitty one way through together? Do you know the cunt weasels that run this show have a call in line, where you can express your DS9 wishes and DS9 dreams into their ear holes? They will play them on air and try to be nice to you, because one day they hope to sell you blue apron snacks and underwear made out of modal. The number is 917-408. 3898 that number again is 917-408-3898. You will probably want to talk about how hot Dax and Bashir are. That is great. These pretentious asses also love it when people say they are wrong. So feel free to do that. James will probably go off on a knowingly obtuse rant about construction issues or political sophistication. We know you love that. Again 917-408-3898. 
Did you know that some Deep Space Nine podcasts have more reviews than us on iTunes? Doesn't that piss you off? Please review us on iTunes. We need to feel loved sometimes.